This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Episode 19. Wonder what it's like to be an Air Force test pilot? Thinking of a career as a pilot in the military? Maybe you want a career in one of the various aviation career fields in the military. Today I have with me someone who has accomplished all of these goals. But you know, before we get started today, I want to say one thing. I want to say thank you to everybody that's listening today and all the response that I've gotten. It really is nice to see that we are truly changing people's lives. And and one of the things that I've heard a lot is that they wish they had this podcast and this information when they were in high school. And as you know, that is the reason that I started this. I wanted people to know what it's like to be a pilot but also what it's like to have a career in aviation, and they're, and they're varied, and they're so much fun. But first, let's, let's hear a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Audible. It's important to keep motivated and informed when you're pursuing a career. One of the best ways to increase your knowledge and keep motivated is to listen to books during your downtime, such as commuting to work, running on a treadmill, or walking through the park. One of the great things about Audible is that the first book is free, and there's no obligation to continue the subscription. You can cancel at any time and keep the book. Audible helps support this website, and I encourage you to visit Audible at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash audible. There are many great books you can listen to, with one of my favorites being 48 Days to the Work You Love by Dan Miller. I encourage you to discover your true potential and keep motivated by listening to audiobooks. Again, you can download your first book, for free by clicking on the Audible icon or by going to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash audible. Our guest today is Mark Jones. He's a former U.S. Air Force test pilot. You know, I'm really excited to have Mark with us today to speak about jobs in the military and one of the most exciting jobs, that of being a test pilot. And I'm sure I've shared this with some of those in my audiences that Gosh, you know, I've always wanted to do two things. I wanted to do aerobatics, and I always wanted to be a test pilot. But you know what? To to be a test pilot uh, as a civilian, to go to the school, I looked into it. It was about $850,000, and I'm sure it's more than that today. But today I have with me somebody who was able to actually do that in the military. His name's Mark Jones. Mark, hey, welcome to uh, Aviation Careers Podcast. Thanks, Carl. I love your podcast, and I love some of the people you have on it, too, so I'm excited to be on. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you're more than welcome. Uh, Mark, you know, you're you're kind of like one of my uh, – it's neat to have someone on who who is – who, who personifies something that I wanted to do for a living, but also those people out there that want to do as a living is being a test pilot. And, but that's not the only thing we're going to focus on today. We're going to focus on the passion for flight and, and how you got into aviation and the fact that, you know, you, you, you became, you know, that one percent. You became that person that was able to do something that you really enjoy and you were able to do something that most people can't. But, but you know what? It all starts with a passion in aviation. And Mark, how, how did you get that passion? How did you get started? Well, my dad was a pilot. I had some of the earliest pictures I have from my childhood are of me sitting in some, uh, you know, twin engine airplane, general aviation airplane. My dad kind of instilled the love of flying in me from that very early age, but he was also in the Air Force. He was a 
a navigator and a weapon systems officer. So he was in the backseat of the F4 for many years. And then in KC-135s uh, when he retired. So just watching him, I mean, every kid kind of likes to do what their dad does. And I got immersed in it at an early age and, and probably took it up an extra level too. Wow, that's pretty cool. You actually got to see your dad fly. You know, one thing about that F4 that, that <laughs> I'm here in Tampa, Florida, and I tell you, one of the things you always hear is that sound that you hear is the sound of freedom because uh, those things are super loud. I don't know if you got to hear one of those things, but they are really loud. Yeah, they are loud. Actually, one of my favorite bumper stickers had a picture of an F4 on it, and it said, Jet Noise is the sound of freedom. <laughs> It truly is. And, and you know, we we don't appreciate that much, especially these days now that things are so much more quiet. But, you know, you had this interest in aviation and your dad was in the military, but, but you needed to actually go forward and, and apply to the military. So tell us a little bit about the process of you becoming an Air Force pilot, and then we'll talk a little bit about what the, you know, the other process of becoming an Air Force pilot or what other people would do to become one. Sure. You know, I think the uh, the starting point in the story that I like to share is when I was in eighth grade, I got a chance to attend uh, Space Academy down at Huntsville. And I, they did a newspaper interview in my hometown and they asked me a bunch of questions, none of which I remember, but I actually have a copy of the article. And in it, I say, I want to join the Air Force, be a test pilot and be an astronaut someday. So far, I've accomplished two of those, and I still would like to accomplish the third. Um, but but as far back as eighth grade, I had kind of a laser-sharp focus of what I wanted to do. And my parents, uh, through much sacrifice and time and investment in, in my life, even at that early age, had invested in me and helped me basically along each step of the way. It was uh, probably a, a winding journey more so than I expected. Um, but that's where the journey started. Now, in about because I knew that early, it probably benefited me. Um, I started reading up on how to get into the Air Force Academy. And, you know, actually, almost along each step of the way, I learned something else. At that point, I'm not even sure I knew what a test pilot was. I went to Space Academy, came back, said, Dad, I love this. I want to be an astronaut. And he's like, well, you know, if you want to do that, you should probably be a test pilot. First, I'm like, test pilot? That sounds awesome. What is it? So he told me. And then after that, he told me about the Air Force Academy. And so each step along the way, there was someone there to kind of give me that next piece of information. I didn't know everything about the journey at that early age, but each step along the way, there was someone there to encourage me, to give me feedback, to help me along the way. So late in high school years, I started looking into what it took to get into the Air Force Academy. Um, I've been blessed with the ability to get good grades in school, and so that helped a lot. Uh, it's it helps a lot. It's not a if, if a person doesn't get good grades, it's not something that they cannot overcome. There are ways to, you know, kind of get into the Air Force Academy with, you know, less than straight A's. But I was blessed with good grades. I, I applied to the Air Force Academy. I got accepted. Um, when you're at the Air Force Academy, you get four years of total immersion in the Air Force. You know, you wear a uniform to class. You get all kinds of great uh, engineering. There's a, a strong engineering core curriculum. And then you can major in whatever you want to major in. But college is a really big milestone in the in a test pilot's career because at least for the Air Force Test Pilot School, one of the prerequisites is a bachelor's degree in engineering or mathematics or physics. I mean they have a very strict policy about what you have to 
to major in college, and that probably eliminates 90% of the people who thought about doing it or who didn't think about doing it before they went to college. So I, I majored in mathematics, but I had that strong engineering background uh, because of the Air Force Academy core curriculum. And uh, and then while I was at the Air Force Academy, I was selected, you know, based on grades and achievements and all that kind of thing to be a pilot as soon as I got my commission. So once I be, got my commission in the Air Force, I, you know, just a, a few months later started pilot training. I started my pilot training at Moody Air Force Base in Georgia. I was in the very first class of students to fly the T-6 Texan II as a student. The Air Force was transitioning away from the T-37 and into the T-6. And then uh, from there, I went from the T-6 to the T-1. The T-6 part of the training is about six months. And about halfway through the year that is pilot training, uh, you're asked to make a selection. Do you want to go fly airplanes with pointy nose like fighters and bombers? Or do you want to go fly something that's a little bit slower, a little bit heavier, but more like the traditional kind of airline pilot feel of things? Um, I decided I elected to go fly big airplanes. And the training track for the big airplanes is to fly the T-1, which is a beach jet 400. If someone decides to fly, uh, that they want to fly fighters or bombers, they would go fly the T-38. But I went and flew the the, uh, the T-1, the beach jet 400, uh, for about six more months, graduated, and then went to fly the C-17 at Charleston. I was at Charleston for four years. Well, I was stationed at Charleston for four years and probably spent over half of that somewhere else in the world, mostly sandy places with no ocean. More like a desert then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, when I was at Charleston, you know, I still had in the back of my mind, I want to be a test pilot someday. So I kept close track of what the requirements were to do that. I knew as I was leaving the Air Force Academy what it took to become a test pilot. It took a certain number of hours as an aircraft commander, you know, what we call captains in the civilian world. Uh, and, and you had to, you know, have that college background that I had. And then you had to b- apply by a certain point in your career. Um, I was fortunate enough to get accepted to test pilot school the first time I applied uh, after I had been at Charleston for four years. So, I mean, real optimal time in my life. Um, I left Charleston, went to Edwards. I went through the Air Force test pilot school out there. It's a year-long program. And everybody goes through the same program. There are about 20 students in each class. Um, about half of those are just engineers who are going to basically sit in the back seat or sit in, uh, you know, behind the pilot and the co-pilot and, and take notes and help to plan the tests and collect data and that kind of thing. And the other half is pilots. Uh, about five of the pilots are big airplane pilots and five of the pilots are pointy nose airplane pilots. But all 10 pilots go through exactly the same course. We fly all the same airplanes. We do the same maneuvers and all that kind of stuff. So it was really exciting for me having come from a crew airplane um, where I could get up and stretch my legs to get into something pointy-nosed and fast and fly upside down and pull lots of Gs and all that kind of stuff. It was just super exciting out there. And, man, Air Force Test Pilot School is – I think it's a pilot stream because you get to fly almost every day. You get to fly all kinds of different airplanes. I probably flew over 30 different kinds of airplanes while I was out there. And you get to do amazing things. For the most part, what you do at Test Pilot School – is what I call exploring the center of the envelope because they want you to be safe while you're going through the schoolhouse. So, you know, you do things that have already been done before, uh, but you learn how to do the data collection and that kind of stuff along the way. As soon as I graduated from test pilot school, I was I stayed there at Edwards Air Force Base and I joined the 418th Flight Test Squadron. And 
started doing tests on big airplanes. Now, I now the C-17 at this point was already, you know, almost almost 20 years old, probably about 15 years old. So quite a mature program. It's not like we were trying to get it certified and get it out there on the line. It had been flying already, but they were doing things like avionics upgrades. And they're also doing things that I call science projects. NASA would come to us and say, hey, we want you to do this flight experiment in your C-17. And so that was really cool, you know, kind of Chuck Yeager or Bob Hoover kind of things. Um, I got to drop out the Orion capsule, which NASA was uh, testing recovery shoots for, and the and the Ares rocket, um, both of which are you know part of the replacement for the space shuttle that's kind of on rocky footing with uh, the budget cuts. But uh, we got to drop some really big stuff out in the desert, out there in the California Arizona area, and we set some world records along the way. We did things that no one else had ever done, and um, I also got to work uh, the X fifty five program, which. People will probably have to Google that, but uh, I was going to get to fly that airplane, but it kind of got bent by some of the contractor test pilots before it uh, showed up with us. So I and I did not and get up uh, get to fly that airplane in the end. But uh, so I flew the C seventeen for most years, I, and I left Edwards in two thousand eleven as the chief C seventeen test pilot for the Air Force. I mean, once again. At each step in the career, someone was there looking out for me and helping me achieve the next step in my, you know, career goal. Things that I didn't even know existed way back in eighth grade when I decided I wanted to be a test pilot. So uh, I really had some some great leaders along the way and some great opportunities and some good timing. Some of it was just you know dumb luck, but uh, that was how you know that's kind of my my Air Force career. In 2011, I left active duty. Uh, I joined the reserves and started flying the T6 Texan II. Um, and now I teach students on a part-time basis down in Columbus Air Force Base, Mississippi. So, you know, my my Air Force flying career kind of went full circle. The very first airplane I ever flew in the Air Force was the T-6, and now I'm back flying that again about six days a month. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, I work at Honda Jet in Greensboro, North Carolina. And uh, right now I'm basically a, a, a test co-pilot. I'm in the right seat. Uh, the official title is Flight Test Engineer. Um, but I'm helping to plan tests and uh, do developmental testing and certification for the Honda Jet. And it's it's very exciting. It's a little bit different than what we do in the Air Force. Uh, in the Air Force, we don't have to get airplanes certified by the FAA. Uh, there's a similar parallel certification process, but, but I'm actually learning a lot of things now um, in the civilian community about how we do civilian flight tests and, and kind of dusting off all the... Uh, you know, polishing off all the dust on my FARs because the military has a whole separate set of regs that are very similar, but uh, but but are different. So I've spent a lot of time reading uh, Part sixty one and ninety one lately. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you really have come full circle there, boy. I tell you, that story you just told is amazing, Mark. It it is neat. It but but what's neat is you came back to your roots. You're flying that T six Texan too. But, you know, one thing I want to – there's a bunch of stuff I want to ask you, especially about – let's talk a little bit about the test pilot thing, and then I want to go into some other careers. Uh, one thing that I found out from other test pilots is that I always used to think test pilots were a bunch of, you know, turning and burning, yanking and banking kind of guys. But it, it turns out you guys are pretty darn analytical, which I didn't realize till I started – I actually sat with somebody – and went through the whole procedure of a briefing. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, it's, it's pretty boring. 
Yeah. Uh, until you get into the airplane. I did not realize, you know, just kind of walk us through real quickly about, you know, what the process is till you get into the airplane because you're not just flying all the time. Right. You're, you're absolutely correct. And, you know, we say in the flight test community that if we, if we do our jobs on the ground, then the test flight is going to be extremely boring. And, and that's how we mitigate a lot of the risks with doing experimental flight tests. Now, I used to tell people who are thinking about becoming Air Force test pilots that for every four hours in the airplane, we probably spend a week planning uh, to do that test. Um, I mean, months before a test program begins, we sit down with engineers, with managers, with flight test engineers, um, and and sometimes in some cases with uh, you know other pilots, and start to plan out how we're going to do the test. Start to plan out what data we need to collect start to plan what kind of modifications we're going to uh, need to make to the airplane. Uh, you know, look at things like, do we need specific weather for the test? Do we need to go somewhere different than where we are? And we, and we just go through a very detailed process of planning what that flight test is going to be. Now, usually a similar process has already been done uh, by engineers in the lab doing, you know, bench testing, doing simulations and all that kind of uh, thing. So, I mean, it may take a year from the time someone gets an idea until the time that an airplane takes off with that idea being tested on it. Um, before the day of a flight test, you know, at this point, the test plan has been written in great detail, and now we have kind of an abbreviated version of what we're going to do on that on that flight. A lot like a checklist, but but we call them test cards, and it lists step by step procedures that we're going to do. It's a very scientific method, very engineering oriented, because. You know, we're, we're out there to collect some specific data and, and they need to be able to measure, you know, precisely the results that they're looking for. And, and if something, you know, doesn't go according to plan, if they're, they're, the way they tweaked the design didn't work, then they need to be able to really analytically figure out what went wrong and just tweak minor parts of the test. So very, you know, scientific process, kind of engineering, you know, almost like a, a scientist in the lab, except our lab's an airplane. I get the, bo- the best of both worlds. You know, that's really cool. You know, there's a lot of people that are into experimental aviation. There's Experimental Aviation Association, which I'm a member of and have a lot of friends that build aircraft. You know, I think that if they just took what you just said and moved it over to what they do, it would be a much safer environment. Take your time. You know, as they say with a carpenter, measure twice, cut once. Uh, you yep. guys probably measure ten times and then cut once. <laughs> but, I think you're uh, absolutely right. You know, the uh, now that whole process of going towards becoming a test pilot was, was really cool. And I think that anybody that wants to try it, they should go for it. You know, I have a, I have a friend of mine. He was a flight instructor. And he told me, he says, you know, I think I want to fly an F-16. And I looked at him. I said, really? And he says, yeah. I said, do you think you could do it? He says, yeah. And you know what? Two years later, you find an F-16. That's so awesome. you should, just like you have done this, everybody should say, hey, listen, I should give it a shot. You know, I, I wanted to be a, a, you know, a military pilot and, and a test pilot, and I, I couldn't do it because of a physical limitation. But, you know, that doesn't matter. There's so many other things that you can do. One of the things I take away from your whole journey is you had somebody that was telling you, helping you out along the way. You didn't exactly know from day one exactly what you were going to do, but you you were able to move along this path and get somewhere that you really enjoy. And, you know, Mark, 10, 20 years from now, you don't know exactly what you're going to do either. 
but you really do need to enjoy the journey, enjoy what you're doing. And, and it sounds like you do have that passion for aviation, which is terrific. That, absolutely. I mean, I love flying the Honda jet just as much as I love flying the Piper Archer that I teach in on weekends. So uh, aviation is, I mean, honestly, sometimes when you, when you're sticking to those rigorous procedures, it almost becomes so laboratory like that you kind of miss a little bit of that, of that aviation passion. So getting in the Archer on the weekends really just makes you feel like you're kind of you know, a, a pilot's pilot again, seat of the pants, steam gauges <laughs> kind of a thing. And it's it's a blast. That's cool. You know, I always tell people just because I'm an airline pilot doesn't mean I can't fly. You yeah. know, if, if you get into a small and, and most people fly small airplanes, understand what I'm saying. You yeah. know, you have to use that, that rudder there. The uh, You know, you talked about the qualifications for becoming a, a test pilot. Now, that that's a pretty stringent qualification. But there is some other flying that's done in the military. Mm-hmm. And there are some other requirements for that. So say someone doesn't have that math degree or or anything like that. Are there jobs in the military where you, first of all, don't need a degree? And number two, that you don't need the math and engineering type degrees where it could lead to a flying career? Sure. There is a flying job for people of all backgrounds and education levels. Um, in the Air Force, in order to be a pilot, you need a, a college degree, but it can be in underwater basket weaving if, if that's what you want to get it in. Um, and there are pilots who, you know, majored in history who are as good with their hands as any test pilot I know just because they're naturally skilled at flying. Um, if you don't have a, a four-year college degree, then you'll be enlisted in the Air Force. And there's a lot of flying positions there. Like in the C-17, we had a pilot, a co-pilot, and what we called a loadmaster. That was somebody in the back who was basically supervising the onloading and offloading of cargo, computing a weight and balance, and taking care of the passengers if we were carrying passengers and that kind of thing. Those guys are experts at what they do. We could not do the mission that we do without them on there. And, man, I've got some real good friends who are – who are loadmasters who are as smart as, you know, any, any, I'd put them up against anybody on the street with the, with the depth of knowledge and expertise they have in the back half of the airplane. Most of those guys, you know, throughout their Air Force career get to a point where they could sit behind the co pilot or the pilot and add to the safety of the cockpit environment with their CRM because of how much they absorb and learn about what goes on during flying. Uh, and, Honestly, like if we were to take the C-17 into a combat situation, we'd have them up front looking out the window, you know, with a pair of MEGs on, looking for that ground fire or something else. They are a key member of the crew. Um, There's other airplanes that, you know, the air refueling airplanes, they have enlisted air crew members who do the, they actually fly the boom into the other airplane to, to, uh, to do that refueling in the air. Um, Helicopters, there's all kinds of uh, flung, Flying positions on helicopters for the enlisted air crew as well. You get a big 50 millimeter gun if you get to do that. So that's cool for them. Uh, and then the special operations community has a lot of, again, enlisted air crew. The, the army aviation community is, is more warrant officers, uh, which is somewhere between enlisted and officer. So these guys, you know, came up through the enlisted ranks, you know, showed some uh, ability and talent and, and leadership and got selected for the Army Aviation Program. And the Army actually has as many aircraft, most of which are helicopters, but as many aircraft 
as the Air Force does. Now, most people don't realize that, but they fly just as many things moving through the air as the Air Force does, but most of them are helicopters, but a huge opportunity there for enlisted air crew. Uh, you can be an officer in the Army and fly as well. Uh, and they do have helicopters, but they also have a few fixed wing like uh, King Airs and that kind of thing. Um, so that's the military kind of breadth of what you can do based on educational background. Now let's talk about, you know, what kind of flying jobs can you get? Well, I already mentioned kind of the big three stereotypes, the fighter, the bomber, and then the big airplane. You know, there's, there are, uh, you know, fighters as old as the A-10 still flying and F-16. And then there's, and some of my buddies are now flying the uh, F-35. They've got an operational squadron down at Eglin Air Force Base that's starting to train uh, just a, an initial cadre of pilots. So you can fly the, the most advanced te- technological fighter on the planet right now, or you can get in an A-10 with an enormous gun and lots of bombs and get close and down low and slow to the bad guys and, and, and do some stuff over there. The uh, Air Force has airplanes like uh, the, Bo- the uh, Boeing business jet. We have a model of that that does some executive transport. So you can be, you know, almost... Those guys are almost airline pilots, except for the you know the uniforms they wear and uh, and that kind of thing. Um, big airplanes, uh, most of them travel over most of the world. Um, going, you get to see a lot of things. You get to carry a lot of cool things and do missions that you'd never expect. One of my most rewarding missions, I left Australia in the morning. We landed in Hawaii about uh, twelve hours later, and found out that there was a little infant there with her parents who needed heart surgery. We loaded her into the back. The C-17 does a quick conversion to a medical transport aircraft, and we took her to Detroit, Michigan about 12 hours later. So all told, that day lasted about 26 hours, and we had to get some uh, special waivers from our leadership to do that. But uh, that's a different kind of mission that most people don't think military pilots get to do, but one of the most rewarding. So just, I mean... If you can imagine a flying job, it probably exists in the Air Force. We have people flying UAVs nowadays. We have people flying airplanes into the middle of hurricanes. We have people flying, you know, the U-2, which flies well above 50,000 feet. These guys wear spacesuits, and they uh, stay up there for a long time. And, and, you know, just like I said, you can imagine a flying job, and the military probably has something similar to that. And then uh, one other flight test job that I'll mention, there is something called operational test. So an experimental test pilot basically gets a, you know, a new flap design or a new avionics box to put in the airplane or go do something with the airplane that's never been done before. Well, the next stage from that is called operational test and evaluation. So there's a a bunch of guys who have been, you know, out there flying on the line. They know the airplane in and out. And they know how military pilots use the airplane, and they know the kinds of missions that need to be done. Well, these guys make sure that the new flap or the new box or new procedures that we've developed as experimental test pilots as engineers actually is going to make sense and is going to be useful to the guys who have to land in Baghdad or in Australia. And that's called operational test. Now, it's not nearly as engineering-oriented, but it is a, a flight test job. They do go through a kind of a methodical planning process and collect some some data about how useful it's going to be to the pilots. Um, you know, all these jobs are basically available in the civilian community as well. There are like at Honda jet, but also, you know, some of the airlines have their own test pilots on staff. Uh, the guys who own the flight manual, you know, up at the senior staff of a, uh, airline 
probably has some kind of technical background, maybe not necessarily a degree in engineering or something like that, but some kind of ability to take what the engineers say and translate it into pilot speak so they can use it in a flight manual. There are people who take airplanes that have just done maintenance on them and go check them out, and we call those functional check flights. There are production test pilots you know, all over Wichita and, and Seattle, and these are guys who just you know, learn to fly like everybody else. And when an airplane comes off the line, you know, a hundred airplanes later, an airplane comes off the line, these guys take it out and run it through a bunch of rigorous uh, check procedures uh, to make sure that the airplane basically came off the line the right way. So they are, you know, doing a flight test mission, uh, but don't necessarily have to have the rigorous engineering background. So like I said, it doesn't matter your educational level. It doesn't matter you know, what part of the world you're in or what kind of airplane you fly. There is a, a whole spectrum of jobs from, uh, you know, that, you know, that a a private pilot could imagine themselves doing to someone who's super nerdy engineering, loves the technical stuff, you know, and, and on the kind of the leading edge of that development could do as well. So lots of opportunities out there. And, you know, my, it's my passion as, as an aviator, but also as a, Having been blessed with the career that I've been blessed with is to let people know those opportunities and, you know, help them where they are, get to enjoy these kinds of opportunities. Whether, you know, if they went through their whole career with a history degree and don't know a thing about engineering, hey, production test, a flight test is probably a a path that we can actually accomplish now based on where they are. So that's my passion is to help people know about that and help them uh, reach those goals as well. You know, Mark, it's incredible, all these different careers you just talked about in, in flying. You went on for a good 10 minutes, 5 minutes, talking about all those things that are out there that half of those things I, I never really realized. And, you know, you could relate it to the to the airline world. You know, of course, we do test flying at the airlines that we fly for, and it's it's amazing how many opportunities there really are within the Air Force, and that's just, it's just wonderful. Uh, you know, the thing is, in aviation, uh, there's there's so many other jobs. You just went through a, just a whole list of flying jobs that are out there. But you know, Mark, there's people out there that they don't want to fly airplanes, but they love aviation. And right. you know, for me, I just I really can appreciate, for instance, mechanics. They amaze me. Some of these guys are just incredible, and they can fix airplanes and they can do some amazing things and and troubleshoot, etc. Something that I've always wanted to do. You know, it, it, there's there has to be opportunities in the military for people in to to go into in aviation because you know one of the things I want I want to stress here is you know here you are you're at the you're at the front of the needle you're the captain you're the the uh, aircraft commander but you know what without all those other people your mission would never begin and would never end successfully so there's so many other things out there what what are some of the jobs that are out there in aviation in the military that aren't flying. That's a great, uh, great question, Carl. And, and like I said before, as many jobs as there are in the military that I'm about to mention, there are civilian equivalents. But, uh, you know, for every two pilots, there's probably 30 other people who are part of the team, part of the test team, without which you would obviously get nowhere. You wouldn't get the airplane off the ground. And you mentioned mechanics. Uh, there are managers who have to, you know, make sure that we can you know, pay the bills to keep the lights on in the hangar and make sure that there's fuel there in the fuel truck when we need it, um, but who have to know about aviation. And I think the community has kind of caught on and developed some 
aviation business programs, and that's good to see those growing. But there, so there's managerial and business type jobs. There are engineering jobs. So if you, you know, are if you wear glasses that are thick as a Coke bottle because you can't see, I mean, maybe what's right for you is an, an aero, an aeronautical engineering job, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering. I mean, you name an engineering field, except for maybe civil engineering. Uh, but uh, you name an engineering field, and we probably have them on our test team. And those are the guys who are, you know, looking at the wiring diagrams to make sure that this piece of equipment that we just put on is not going to make the, you know, airplane flip upside down when we take off, that kind of thing. There was uh, right near the end of my active duty Air Force career, about two, that late 2010 time frame, we did a, a test program with seven C-17s. And I like to brag that we had over $2 billion worth of airplanes just based on the price tag of a C-17. Um, but uh, there was 150 people on the test team. And actually all but about 10 of those were either flying the airplane or in the airplane because we carry those engineers with us and they sit down in the cargo compartment and they have their laptop computers hooked into the airplane systems so they can watch the data real time and see what's going on. And so we had, you know, 130 people in seven airplanes doing this test we did it all the way from Edwards Air Force Base all the way out to the East Coast and into Charleston and North Carolina. And and out of that, 14 of them were pilots. I mean, so we really are just a very small part of the team. And, man, those people are just as passionate about aviation uh, as I was. Some of those engineers, you know, our pilots, they go home on the weekends and, and fly. Some of those engineers go home on the weekend and build their own airplane. And uh, like you said, I mean – some of the, some of the uh, some of those guys are maintenance, and they can do things with the airplane that you know just make my head spin. I don't even change the oil in my car, so I really appreciate those guys as well. But it really takes an enormous team, you know, to get an experimental test flight off the ground. And 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 the family that I had there at Edwards Air Force Base was some of the the closest I ever was to anyone else uh, in my career as a as a team of of testers. And it was really great experience. It really made some great friends. Um, I think I've maintained those friendships better than I have, you know, any of the other many times that I moved around in the military. But you just work so closely with and you're, you know, you're the outcome and your fate is tied so closely with what they're doing. And there's so much detail, you know, as as pilot in command, we got to get the the feeling that, you know, I'm the one has to check all the notes, make sure the flight plan's right and all that and cover all the details. I'm ultimately in charge. But there are so many technical details and engineering plans that I realized that I was going to have to learn to trust other people and kind of lean on them more than I ever had any other time in my flying career. But, man, they are just great people, great opportunities. And like I said, those engineers got to sit in the back of the airplane and fly along. And, and if we weren't doing a test point, they could obviously get up in the uh, in the cockpit and kind of look over our shoulder and take pictures too. So it was great to have them with us and great opportunities for anybody in almost any field. You know, one of the things that you mentioned while you were talking about this, and it really, really struck me, is that this is, they use the word family. And, and, you know, I really feel that. This this aviation world, it's like a big family. I mean, all these different pieces and all these different people have, all have key roles. And, and without them coming together, the, the family would definitely fall apart, I feel. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, you know, that that's neat, though, to, to hear about all those things. And, and you know what? There's, there's so many other things that you can find. Actually, we're going to have... Uh, some of the listing of some of the careers he just talked about that Mark just talked about at aviation careers podcast slash uh, dot com slash uh, 19. 
but you know there's there's something that's that's kind of interesting about about the the mechanics and about all these these other people in aviation they they all kind of have this this hey this is cool this is fun and they want to have some fun with aviation you know let let's let's talk a little bit about some fun things here for just a second the T6 that you fly all right there's a T6 Texan 2 let's talk just a little bit about that airplane and Mark will explain a little bit about what that is one of my favorite planes is a T6 Texan what is a T6 Texan 2 and why do they call it that well, the T6 Texan II is a uh, turboprop, pretty high-performance, two-seat tandem, so the pilot's in the front and the instructor pilot's behind them. It's a low-wing training aircraft that's fully aerobatic um, and can pull up to 7 Gs, can go up to about 315 knots, and yet it can take off in about, sometime on a good day, on a cold day, 1,000 feet, on a hot day, 1,500 feet. Um, but that is the airplane that the Air Force uses to train a dude who walked in off the street and put on a uniform and they now call lieutenant. We train them to be military aviators in that airplane. They spend about six months, uh, the first two of which are intense ground training and simulator training before they ever set foot in that airplane. They get in that airplane and in the course of four months, they are the equivalent of a commercial pilot, instrument rating, they can fly in formation. They can fly six feet away from another airplane through a whole host of aerobatic maneuvers. Now, they're not quite the Thunderbirds yet, but but they are on their way to being like the Thunderbirds. I mean, they, we are right off the wing of another airplane. We are doing, you know, up to 90 degrees of bank. We go through kind of a dogfight type exercise where we chase each other around the sky and loops and barrel rolls and clover release and that kind of thing. They learn advanced acrobatics. They learn navigation and, and all these kinds of things. And so that's a, a trainer aircraft for the Air Force. And it is a blast to fly because, because you get to do all those things. It's a blast because you get to see someone uh, learn how to do all those things. It kind of it kind of stole its name or borrowed its name in, in the typical heritage way that the Air Force does things from the T-6 Texan, which was, a uh, again, a low-wing two-seat tandem piston propeller driven airplane that was used as a trainer aircraft in the early days of the of the air force i mean two different planes you know kind of with a similar name both of them amazing airplanes for, for their time period and for what they could do and i mean i would glad to take either of them any day of the week uh, but i do get the privilege of flying a t6 texan 2 now on a monthly basis that sounds like a lot of fun. Hey, maybe you could uh, show me how to do a loop and a roll someday. <laughs> and and the other airplane you fly, and, and this, I don't know if you're still doing that, but you talked a lot about the C-17. One of the interesting things I saw was it goes backwards. Is that is that normal? Yeah, it's it's not quite normal. There's probably uh, two airplanes in the U.S. Air Force that could both boast that. The uh, C-130, they can kind of reverse their props and do it too, but not nearly as well as we can. The... Uh, C-17 has, like many large airplanes, thrust reversers. But these thrust reversers uh, on the ground create so much reverse thrust that it can actually back up and incline at its max gross weight of 586,000 pounds. Um, and man, it is noisy when it's doing that. And the other thing it does is it generates such a, a suction in the engine inlet that these little vortices develop that look like tornadoes coming from that high wing mounted engine all the way to the ground six or eight feet below it. And it is pretty amazing to watch. You know, a couple of times 
I did this backing exercise at night on MVGs. And man, turning around and looking at the engine and seeing all the little bits of gravel that were getting sucked in and causing sparks and stuff, that was kind of disconcerting. So I didn't I didn't turn around anymore. I actually had the loadmaster looking out the back to, you know, kind of keep me going where I was going. But it does uh, back up on the ground. You know, another thing few people know is that the C-17 can actually deploy its thrust reversers in flight. And we do a maneuver called a tactical descent. Um, we deploy our thrust reversers. We descend at over 300 knots. And we can achieve up to 22,000 feet per minute descent rate. Wow. And we do that basically so that we can stay high above the bad guys for a long time. We can come in within probably five miles of the airfield and lose, well, 22,000 feet in a minute, but you can lose 30,000 feet in a minute and a half and then land safely. That That is absolutely amazing. You know, I oh, I brag about the fact I can do 8,000 feet per minute down a Jedi <laughs> fly, but 22,000 feet, that, that's, a, that's a rocket. That's a bullet going towards the ground. Yeah. <laughs> But you know that that's cool. I mean, you get to have some fun too in the in in, uh, in the military, which I I think that's fun. That sounds like a blast to do. Um, hey, you know, Mark, one thing that just I thought of here, what you know, this is this is fun to do. You have all these different things that you you do in the military, but you know, let's let's go back to the people listening. What advice would you give to somebody that's actually looking towards a career? In the military as a pilot, what should they do today if they're young or if they say uh, in their 20s and want to look at a career in the military as a pilot? Sure. Uh, the first thing, and I, and again, looking back over my life, I see this effect. I didn't know that it was happening at the time, but it's to find someone who can help to guide you on your path, who can help to encourage you on your path, because in a marathon, you're going to get tired. And, and the steps to um, from the day that I decided that I wanted to be a test pilot until the day that I graduated from test pilot school was 18 years. Um, and if I didn't have people along the way to encourage me, I would have lost sight of the goal. So find someone. It doesn't even have to be in the aviation career field. It could be a significant other. It could be your parents. It could be a spouse if they're in their 20s. But someone who can encourage you who knows your heart, who can help keep you on track and give you feedback along your journey. The next step is to find someone who knows something about your journey, and this probably is someone in that aviation career field. Get with them and talk to them. You know what? I've kind of been proof tonight that people love to talk about what they do. I probably talk too much, and when I get excited, I talk a lot faster, so I've done that a lot tonight. But uh, someone would be delighted to sit down with you and tell you how to reach whatever aviation career goal you have. And like you said, Carl, we are kind of a family. And so if I don't know what the question, the answer to the question you're asking me about an aviation career, I probably know somebody who does. And so we can connect you with, you know, somebody who is with the technology that we have today, the social media, that kind of thing you can connect with, follow, you know, friend or whatever, a lot of amazing uh, aviation professionals, whether that's a pilot or whether that's something else in the aviation career field. So you can kind of keep your, uh, your, your passion alive by following that and, and seeing that. Um, but so find someone who can walk with you along the way and encourage you. Find someone who knows something about your uh, career field. And then, I mean, work hard at it. I don't think that any of us accomplished what we wanted to accomplish just by being lazy and sleeping in on Saturdays. I mean, now there's not a person in the world who flies 
who hasn't watched more sunrises or sunsets than they ever thought they were going to in their life and probably studied hard and spent some time turning off the TV or whatever along the way when they didn't really think that they were going to. But being a, a professional in the aviation career field isn't easy to do. It's going to take some work. And uh, the more work you do and the earlier you get started, I think the better off you'll be. But anybody can, almost anybody can get to where they want to be no matter where they're starting today. Now, there's probably a few exceptions to that. You're not going to land on the moon if you're 60 and you decide you want to be an astronaut. But uh, maybe if we come up with some kind of cryogenic technology, we can accomplish that. But I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, and there's a, there's a practical side to this. But you know what? You can achieve your goals. If you can dream it, you pretty much can do almost anything you want to do. And I, I think just listening to you, it inspires me to do that. I'm sure it's inspiring some of the people that are listening today. As a matter of fact, you, you started doing something as a project to help people. And that was a, it was a website. And I looked it up. It's called Multiply Leadership. And you also talk, have a book called uh, You Can Be a Test Pilot. And I think that feeds into that. What, what is that website? And what do you do there? Well, that is a, uh, you know, there's there's three things that I'm really passionate about. Aviation is one of them. So being a test pilot is kind of one thing. The second thing is mathematics. Like I said, that was my undergraduate degree, and I actually got a master's degree in it too. But the the way technology and the world are advancing, I think that aviation will benefit if they use some of the analytical tools that are available to them uh, better. And it's my kind of passion to translate it from that subject that everybody is scary to into something that we can understand and use while we're in the cockpit or while we're planning for an aviation career. And the third thing is leadership. Um, a lot of what I've talked about already, I haven't used the word leadership, um, but there are some principles from leadership that are important. And so where those three things converge is kind of what comes out on that website. Don't be scared. I don't use, you know, I don't use uh, standard deviation that often on the website. Uh, most of the time, uh, I use less technical words when I'm kind of describing some of these things. And in fact, I relate a lot of the technical principles to a car trip to your grandparents' house or planning for a cross-country flight. Things that you and I uh, know a lot about. We may even know them, you know, just we don't even think about getting in, hopping in our car, plugging something into the GPS and driving across the country anymore. So I tie those things that we're familiar with to some of the technical stuff that you might see in a flight test career. Um, and in the book, You Can Be a Test Pilot, it was actually a book that I wrote for my son, Blake. Blake's my oldest son. He just turned 13 this year, and it was kind of a gift for him on his 13th birthday. I answered about 10 uh, popular questions about what it takes to become a test pilot, and that could be – and I answered them – uh, as broadly as I could, you know, maybe someone who reads it wants to be a civilian test pilot. Maybe they don't want to join the military. Maybe it's too late for them. Maybe they want to do the production test pilot thing. I talk about all those things. I've compiled some of those questions and some links to some more information to, uh, in answers to those questions on the website. So you could find that on the website there. And, uh, and also what I talk about in the book. So I, I spend some time answering common questions about becoming a test pilot, but I also spent some time kind of explaining that car trip to grandma's house and painting a picture for my my 13-year-old son about how he could decide today what he wants to do 18, 20, 30 years down the road and how to kind of stay on course along that journey and, and kind of emphasize a bunch of things that you and I have talked about today. So that, that book is available on Amazon. Um, you can find over half of the content that's in the book, in particular blog posts on the website. If you just want to look at cool pictures of cool airplanes, those are available on the website. 
If you want to read a technical paper about what some of those cool airplanes did, those are available on the website as well. So it's just a resource for people who want to know more about this particular field and maybe connect with others who want to know more about it as well. And, you know, Mark, what we'll do is we'll we'll put some links on aviationcareerspodcast.com slash 19 where they can actually purchase that book because I – uh, I haven't read the whole thing yet, but it, it's pretty cool. And and uh, as a matter of fact, by by linking to that from my website, it actually helps support Aviation Career, Career's podcast and helps us bring this show to you. I just it's it's inspiring. And for people like myself that are interested in in doing some and test flying, for folks that say are building experimentals or we're looking to do an experimental ourselves, uh, you have an incredible about an amount of knowledge. And I think that we all can learn from that. But it's it. it what what's neat about the book too it, it describes how you can get to the point of being a test pilot but it also in my mind it it and this is reading into it it can be used in anything that takes a lot of determination it yep. shows that you can actually be a test pilot or you can be whatever you want to be whether it's a test pilot a teacher a doctor etc and that was a little something that i read into the book while i was going through those chapters a little more subtle that that you get out of that so i definitely would highly recommend everybody reading that book and i do appreciate you putting that out there for everybody well thanks carl i appreciate it again like i said i, I wrote it for my son um because I wanted to invest in his life personally, but it was the least I could do to share it with everyone else as well. And you know what? If someone emails me um, directly, and feel free to to put uh, my email address in the show notes if you want, but my email address is also on my webpage. If they email me directly, I will be uh, more than willing to send them a free PDF version uh, of the book if they ask for it. I appreciate that. And, you know, we'll even put a link to the Honda Jet. I think that's a cool thing. As a matter of fact, next time I'm in Greensboro, I'll look you up, Mark, because I, I go there quite often. It's real. I've, I've been watching the development of the hangar and the airplane for, for many years now, and that's just that's a neat, neat thing that you're involved in, in there, a neat little project. Hey, Mark, if you just hang around for a second, I'd like to go through something that I, I think you'll appreciate. Uh, it's actually our first uh, recommendation, and it's uh, – you know, I, I always like to give folks a recommendation as to what they can read. And I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, aviation for naval aviators, you know, the whole book there. And it's very technical. But you know what? I, I found out that that's not quite as important. Your story reminds me of somebody else that I met years ago and somebody who's really been inspirational for me and, and in some of the demonstrations I do in, in an airplane with, with my students. And it's this book. It's called Forever Flying. It's actually by Bob Hoover. And you had mentioned him before. And to me, he's one of the most amazing test pilots. And, you know, my girlfriend and I had this discussion about Chuck Yeager. And I said to her, I said, you know, there's another man that I think is just as amazing and that's Bob Hoover. And you, uh, have you ever been able to meet Bob in, yourself? I have actually. He spoke at my test pilot school graduation dinner, so we got to meet him then. And he, I agree with you. He is an amazing test pilot, and he can do some amazing things with the airplane that I could only dream about doing. But maybe someday, <laughs> I'm sure you could. But you know, watching Bob Hoover perform at these air shows, it's it's always been a real pleasure because it, it makes the audience really gasp in excitement and amazement. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, Bob started his flying career as just you know a plain old military pilot. And and uh, became a U.S. Air Force test pilot, just like yourself. And then he became to work as a civilian pilot, like you have there. So his journey is somewhat uh, 
similar to yours and familiar to you. But, you know, if, if if you folks out there listening have enjoyed Mark's story, you really will enjoy Forever Flying by Bob Hoover. And you can link to that from, uh, from my website. And, you know, I have a few heroes in flight in, in aviation. One of them is, is Bob. And, uh, one of the things that he did that always amazes me, it's a story that you don't really hear about often is that he actually escaped from a POW camp during World War II, stole a German airplane, and then flew it to Holland. Now that sounds simple, but, you know, there's, there, it's all written in German. And, you know, just, Hearing this inspirational and exciting story of the, another test pilot just just really makes me excited and makes me excited about aviation. So Forever Flying is is really the one that you should look at. Now that I'll have links to on my website, and it, it kind of it, it it's like a it's a an older version of of Mark here. someday Mark's going to be doing <laughs> the same type of thing at air shows. <laughs> you know what's funny? I used to do the the same demonstration with my students. I'd put the one wheel down, the next wheel down, the other wheel down, and they yeah. said, "Oh, that's just like Bob Hoover." I said, "No, I, I, who's Bob Hoover?" I'd ask, and then finally I went to one of his air shows, and he did that one wheel down, the other wheel down, and uh, you. You know, it's really, and, and Bob says this, it's all about understanding the basics yeah. in aviation, and, and I think that's really, really true. But, you know, I, I one thing I want to do before we start, we close here, and this is something that I think that we all can appreciate, is one in, in the military, you were a test pilot, you flew C-17s. One thing that we don't think about sometimes, sometimes we don't want to think about, is that you know, there are people here that put themselves in harm's way, and those people are the men and women in our military. And, you know, we really need to make sure that we, we show our appreciation for those folks that are in the military and all the things that you, they do. So, you know, Mark, I do – one of the things I just want to say quickly is thank you for your service in the military and all that you've done for us and, and kept us safe here in the U.S. It makes us sleep better at night. I appreciate that, Carl. It's been an, an honor and a privilege to serve in the military. And I would, uh, if anybody's interested in, in any military career field, I'd be interested in talking to them and encouraging them as well. Um, it, it sh- we do it because we love our brothers and sisters and our moms and our dads and our sons and daughters. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't in the military who probably aren't in the spotlight as well, but there are aviators in in rescue and in law enforcement who are also putting themselves in harm's way. And I like to kind of highlight them as well because they need just as much of our appreciation and thanks as well. Well, thanks, Mark. And, you know, thanks again for being here. And, and you know, thank thank you, the folks listening today, for actually uh, listening to this podcast and listening to Mark talk about his, his story. And, you know, I hope this show has actually helped you define your goal and inspire you to achieve your aviation career goal even if it isn't being a test pilot i think you need to listen to what mark has to say no matter what it is about achieving your goal you know if you have any questions for for me or for mark you can actually send me an email send mark an email one of the easiest ways is to leave me a, a voicemail at uh, 347 my wings or just go to aviationcareerspodcast.com/slash contact and you know what if if you just remember to fa- uh, like us on facebook or follow us on twitter you can send messages that way i'd love to hear your feedback and boy i tell you i've been getting a lot of feedback lately some incredible questions and uh, i will forward them on to mark especially if it's about becoming a test pilot or any other flying 
careers. Uh, also, if you do get a chance, I'd like you to do me a favor and go out there and if you download it from iTunes, this podcast, if you could go out there and rate it so that uh, some people will actually be able to learn about Aviation Careers podcast. This is a podcast I'm doing because I never had this when I was in high school. No one was able to tell me about all the different careers in aviation and that's why I'm here and I'm hoping through these stories, through these people that I'm interviewing here and through their stories, I'm hoping you will learn something and it'll help you define your aviation career goal. So if you want to become a test pilot, I hope Mark Jones has really inspired you and made you realize that you may have what it takes to be a test pilot. So define your goal and then keep focused on that on that goal. And of course, while you're moving towards that goal, enjoy that journey. Yep. Well, Mark, again, thanks so much. I appreciate it. And uh, to the folks listening out there, we'll, we'll talk to you next episode. And uh, most importantly, safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, Compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.